0: Alright, for those of you who like this weather, um, please listen to what I'm about to say. For those of you who hate this weather, just ignore what I'm about to say right now. In the Ivory Coast right now, it's 84 degrees, so you can, uh, but we still beg for your prayers. See, there you go. Everybody's called the missions. Um Alright, they're just finishing their uh, rainy season over there, so lots of rain as we arrive. Um, but it will be, it'll be nice and toasty. Alright, this week we want to turn our attention to evangelism. Uh, we want to talk about the aim of evangelism, and that is that God want, is desiring to reconcile sinners to Himself through Jesus Christ. And He's doing that so that He can create worshipers for Himself. He is uh, making uh, these sinners, these enemies of His, into His worshipers. And in our first two classes of this series, we, we looked at Scripture and we saw that all of life is worship. And the way that this connects, that is that all of life is worship, and evangelism connects is through the example of Jesus with the Samaritan woman. Jesus said, "...a time is coming..." And has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God loves and demands evangelism because it creates for Him more glory, or it ascribes to Him the glory that is due His name already. Not that God is made more glorious in our evangelism, but the 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 glory that is already due him is ascribed to him as he deserves, and so the kind of worshipers that god is is seeking as Jesus says in John four he's seeking the kind that that um that are being saved by his grace, and so all of life is worship. Has to include the fact that all of life include, is worship, has to include the idea of evangelism. John Piper says it this way in a very um, memorable way, and perhaps you've heard this statement before. He says, Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church, worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Think about that last sentence there. Missions exist because worship doesn't because there is not universal worship going on to Jesus Christ and to His Father. And that's why we need missions. We need to go to people so that worship does exist among all creation. Now, we understand that that's not going to fully take place until the Millennial Kingdom, that every creature will, will, um, will fall and worship to Him. But, but until that time, obviously, we're creating worshipers for God. We want to see people who are submitting themselves to God and, and worshiping him, him as He deserves. All right, so let's pray uh, before we get started and and we'll move into the material, how how um, we became a Christian. Father, we are thankful that we have had people do the task of evangelism in, in our lives. They shared the gospel with us. They passed on the good news to us. And sometimes it, it required that they suffered reproach for the sake of your name in order to get the gospel to us, and maybe it was even reproach from us. And yet they did it, and happily did it, because they knew that, um, that there could be great results that came from it, and they did it because they wanted to obey you and passing on uh, your good news. And Lord, we pray that you, we would uh, follow their example, and the example of Christ and the Apostles, Many other believers that have gone before us, and and be consistent and uh, pursue greater efforts in our own evangelism of the the lost world around us, and we pray for your grace in that in Jesus name, Amen. All right, very simply, evangelism is communicating the gospel. Okay, communicating the gospel. Um, one uh, one author puts it this way: Evangelism is good news, and so when we evangelize, we are good newsing people. We are passing on the good news to people. We we share the good news so that they can respond in joy. That's the idea of of evangelism in the New Testament. It's 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 a heralding of the good news that comes from the King. And um, so, um, what are we telling them about? Okay, before we get to this first point, I gave it to you early here, but what are we telling them about? What are we giving to them? Well, we're giving them the gospel. And and the gospel can be summarized um, in a really uh, really good way by uh, Mark Dever in his book called The Gospel and Personal Evangelism. And uh, I didn't put that on the back of your handout, but I would highly recommend this book, The Gospel and Personal Evangelism. It's really short. You can read it in one sitting. Uh, those are the kind of books I love. Um, but but in there, he gives a, a concise idea of, the, of, evan- of what the gospel is. And by the way, when, whenever a, a new member comes into our church or they're candidating to be a member of our church, one of the things that we require of them is that they're able to explain the gospel. Not a rote definition, not to be able to say what I'm about to read for you here, but to be able to describe in some way what the gospel is. And here's a more detailed way of saying it. This is from his book, The Gospel and Personal Evangelism. The good news, the gospel is that the one and only God who is holy made us in His image to know Him. But we sinned and cut ourselves off from Him. Yet in his great love, God became a man in Jesus, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross, thus fulfilling the law himself and taking on himself the punishment for the sins of all those who would ever turn and trust in him. He rose again from the dead, showing that God accepted Christ's sacrifice and that God's wrath against us has been exhausted. He now calls us to repent of our sins and to trust in Christ alone for our forgiveness. If we repent of our sins and trust in Christ, we are born again into a new life, an eternal life with God. One thing that we should be able to do is to be able to to describe the gospel in a short amount of time, in less than a minute, less than 90 seconds, we should be able to to give a concise idea of what the gospel is. That's part of evangelism. Now, not every time we evangelize do we have to give the entire gospel, but here's kind of a concise way to put it actually it's more detailed but but overall he's got the main points there that we were under God's wrath this is the kind of thing we're looking for when member member candidates are coming coming into our church we were under God's wrath because of our sin Christ paid for our wrath we need to believe and repent those are the main elements that we're looking for and um and we should know that when it comes to our own uh, talking with with our neighbors and our coworkers and so on, that that um, that those sorts of elements. Sometimes what tends to happen is we can highlight kind of the the nicer parts of the features, like a car salesman. We don't tell them about all the problems of this used car that's been sitting on a lot for for decades or whatever. Um, and we just talk about the nice parts, and so we think we got to kind of sell it to the people. But really, we're going to talk the when it comes to faithfulness in evangelism, it's not about getting the person to convert. That's not, that's not the proof of whether we've done our job or not. The proof is, have we been faithful to the message? And that's, what we need to, that's why we need to include the part about God's wrath and that we could do nothing apart from His grace. Um, so the Gospel calls sinners to repent and to believe in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins. Another good book that I'll recommend, another short book by J.I. Packer called "Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God." Uh, I think I have both of these out in my um, in the the bookcase out there, and you're welcome to borrow them if you'd like. "The Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God." Uh, I've also mentioned that this book by J.I. Packer is a book that I think has one of the best explanations of the tension that there is between God's sovereignty and our responsibility, and he talks about that when it comes to evangelism, he gives some examples, and it's another one that you can read in one sitting. So, we have a responsibility, we're going to talk about that here in just a second, but sadly, none of us, I think, could say that we are as evangelistic as we ought to be. Personal witness for us can often be difficult and can feel risky we We risk the scorn of of unbelievers and sometimes it's it's um it's painstakingly slow uh that that the results that we want to see are not coming and so sometimes it's easy for us to to give up and um and so evangelism can be difficult and yet we should not lose heart so let's think about from God's word. Why it's so important for us to be a part of evangelism. All right, why is it so important for us to be a part of evangelism? Number 1, evangelism is how we became a Christian. This is part of what I was talking about in our in our prayer to God before we started. Evangelism is is how we became a Christian. It's inseparable from our life as a believer. Um we evangelize one of the reasons we evangelize is because we have been evangelized right somebody evangelized us someone passed on the good news to us and so we we should happily uh return the favor to someone else we should be wanting to share the good news with other people you know if we had if we had a just a a great resource of money that, that we could disperse to people, we wouldn't satisfy the the ultimate needs that people had in this world. You know, if we just had, let's just say, let's just imagine that we had a limitless amount of money that we could give away. We would not satisfy people's needs. In fact, that's why Jesus came as a poor person. He came because his, He didn't come to heal all, all of them, all of their their sicknesses necessarily, although he did that to prove his messiahship. But he didn't come to to take care of all their financial needs, although he did that at times. Uh, He ultimately came to heal their greatest need. They were not reconciled to God. And that's that's what we have to offer to the lost world. We don't have to have a lot of money to be able to evangelize. We don't have to be able to... um, to, to heal them of their sicknesses or their family conflicts, we have, we have the antidote to their greatest problem, and it is the gospel. So, uh, first, on this one. Evangelism how, is how we became a Christian. Um, it's a matter of obedience. It's a matter of obedience. Turn to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. I want to show you that evangelism is a responsibility of ours as Christians, that this command that's given is given to the disciples, and yet it's given to the disciples of all all ages. I would say all ages of the church, since this is um, to whom Jesus gives it. Alright, so 28, chapter 28, remember this is before He ascended. Um, verse 18, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, the disciples, and said, All authority has been given to Me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." Okay, the first thing we need to see is that we are commanded to evangelize. Now, this is implied in here because actually the command is not to give the gospel. The command is actually to make disciples. It's actually to take people who have already been converted and make them into disciples, to baptize those who have already been converted. But there's an implication there, is there isn't there. there? The implication is that we have to evangelize before we can make Disciples. That there's an expectation if we're going to go to all the world... And by the way, we know that this is what Jesus had in mind because this is what Paul does, right? This is what the apostles do. They go out into all the world and they start meeting with unbelievers, start telling them about the gospel, and then they start making disciples out of these men. So, there's an implication here in his command, which is actually not to evangelize, but there's an implication to evangelize, go therefore and make disciples or... As you are going, make disciples of all the nations. And then what we need to see is that this is not just for the disciples. Look at the last part of verse 20. Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So the disciples are not alive today. They, they're not going to make it to the end of the age. They're they're already long gone. So this is a command that's not just for the disciples that were in His presence at that time, but it's for us as well. It's an ongoing command for all believers. And so we have a responsibility. And we need to be obedient to the Lord in this matter until He returns. So evangelism is a matter of obedience. Secondly, evangelism is a matter of gratitude the Bible speaks of worship and evangelism as right responses to God's saving grace. If God has done some great work in you and you are trusting in Him for your past, the past grace that He showed and you're counting on His future grace, then should not your joy result in a desire to proclaim the mercy that has been shown to you? Psalm 116.12 says, How can I repay the Lord for all the goodness He's given to me? I will lift up the cup of my salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all His people. How can I repay the goodness that God has shown to me? Well, I praise Him, verse 13 says in Psalm 116. And verse 14 says, "I I will fulfill my vows in the presence of my people. We are not ashamed of what God has done, but we are we happily uh, proclaim the name of Christ and and what He has done for us. Evangelism is a matter of obedience; it's a matter of gratitude. And then, number uh, thirdly, evangelism is an expression of godliness. It's an expression of godliness. As God's people, we ought to commend the gospel to those around us by the way we live. Our lives should be consistently characterized by holiness in such a way as to make our Savior attractive to unbelievers. Now, no one's ever gotten saved because of a holy life. Okay? They have to hear the message of the gospel. They can't just respond to seeing someone's life. They have to actually hear what the gospel is and then respond to that. Because remember, they're actually repenting of sin and believing in Jesus Christ. They're not believing in your holy life. But your, your holy life can uh, do a great service to evangelism. And it can also, your, your unholy life can do a great disservice to your evangelism. Make people question, you, you, you believe that because you sure seem to live just like me an unbeliever might say. So evangelism is an expression of godliness. It should be an extension of our godliness. And then then fourthly, every evangelism is every Christian's calling. Remember I said it's a part of our all of life is worship. Some Christians think that, you know, evangelism is a gift and a responsibility only for those who are gifted in that area. So for example, in Ephesians four eleven, it says God gave some as as uh, prophets and some as um, apostles, some as evangelists and some as pastor-teachers. So, so that seems to be a kind of a separate category. There are some really uh, special people that are called out to be uh, to be evangelists. Um, but the point of this verse is not only that those who have the gift of evangelism should evangelize, but the verse speaks to how graciously different gifts have been given to all of us. That we all have a gift and a responsibility to to take part in these various um, uh, ministries specifically with regard to evangelism would someone read first Peter two nine raise your hand so I know you're looking there first Peter two nine Paul and then uh second corinthians five eighteen to twenty one Trish thank you all right so while not all of us are specially gifted like you know, like a, like a Steve Pettit or somebody, uh, to be an evangelist and kind of travel around and be able to proclaim the gospel in a clear way. All of us, however, are gifted and responsible to be witnesses of Christ, to speak on behalf of Christ. We should think about our responsibility with regard to personal evangelism like we hear here in 1 Peter 2.9. Okay, Here's Peter talking to a whole group of people. You are a chosen people. You're a people belonging to God. And your responsibility is to declare the praises. He's not saying you, especially gifted evangelist types, you have a responsibility to declare the praises of God. No, all of you, and I would say to you and me, all of us are a chosen people. We're a people belonging to God. And we have a responsibility to declare the praises of God. The One who called us out of darkness into His wonderful light. This is why God chose us. He he chose us so that we could be a reflection of who He is. So that we could be a proper representative of His mercy, of His truth. And that's what we are are to do in this age. As those who have been reconciled to God through faith in Christ... This ministry of reconciliation has been given to us. We've already received it. We're commissioned by God, therefore, to be his ambassador. So listen to second Corinthians five, eighteen to twenty one. So Christ said, go, make disciples. To those who have been given, we should freely give. That's the matter of gratitude. Um, It's also a matter of godliness, that we ought to be portraying a godly life, life. But here, evangelism is for every Christian, that we are ambassadors for Christ. We are representatives of His, of His holiness, of His truth, and we ought to proclaim it as though God were making an appeal through us. This is how we come to people and we offer them the gift of salvation. We say what, what it says here at the end of verse 20, be reconciled to God. You need to be reconciled to God. God has done that for us and we certainly need to do that for other people. We're called to live and bear the fruit of the joy that we have experienced All right. So, evangelism is something that we ought to do because we have been evangelized. We have become a Christian because we were evangelized. We have a responsibility to evangelize. Every single one of us has a responsibility to evangelize. So, why don't we do it as much as we ought? Can you help me out what kind of things keep us from evangelizing like we ought to? Okay? Lack of knowledge, perhaps, Mark, okay, fear of man, I think that's my number one um reason for not evangelizing as much as I ought to, fear of what could possibly happen to me, what else, anything else time, okay, and that that comes down time, I think always comes down to priority we didn't we haven't made a priority to do it, you know we haven't taken time to invite neighbors over and sometimes you know like i said it's the slow process it's like the farmer who says oh, i can't really see anything grow this year why not oh i just don't have time you know to, all the, the work that's necessary to to till the field and then to to uh, make sure that there's proper uh, nutrients and make sure that it's properly watered and get rid of all the weeds and sometimes that's what evangelism like right it's just you gotta invite people over, you gotta talk through some difficult things you you gotta think about it when you're not with them, and we we say we don't have time, but really it's a priority. We don't make time for it, right, and I think I use that excuse as well, Greg. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, sometimes uh, one of the other problems we don't really either do evangelism or we don't see any fruit in our evangelism is because we haven't even asked for God's help along the way and just kind of expect that it's going to happen. Um, and yet we need to recognize that God is behind it and and that as I was reading this um, this book earlier this week, um, the, the man in there was saying that God is more passionate about evangelism than we are. And our job is not to come up with lots of great programs. Let's think about it from a corporate perspective as a church. Our job is not to come up with a lot of great programs so that evangelism works. It's just to follow or mimic God's passion. What's going to happen when we, have a, when we follow God's passion for evangelism? God's going to, to be the one who creates or, worshipers for Himself. But we need to follow His passion. We need to pray for us to have greater passion. And, and then we need to see God work. Start doing things that, that would be a, um, consistent with our responsibility to evangelize. We're going to talk about some of these things as we go through, so let's keep going. Um, okay, so first, we evangelize because we have been evangelized. Secondly, we evangelize because evangelism is empowered perhaps one of the most common reasons why many of us fail is because of fear. And fear can take several forms. Maybe lack of ability, lack of knowledge, maybe the possibility of rejection. Or we might be just afraid of what the message is actually going to do in a person's life. Okay, think about this in a hostile context. You know, perhaps in a a foreign country where the gospel is not allowed and where they kill people who, who give the gospel, um, we, we recognize what the, the possibility is if we actually give the gospel. We, we, could, um, we could see some serious ramifications. But the best way to overcome such fears is to have a biblical view of evangelism. And a good way, a place to start is to understand that God is the one who is sovereign in the salvation of sinners. He's the one who elected sinners unto salvation, and He's promised that He will do the gathering. And remember what Jesus said? Look out onto the fields. They're white for harvest. Just pray that workers would be sent out into the fields. And we usually use that for missionary-type uh, context, but I think that also is applicable to evangelism-type type context, that, that there are people out there that are ripe for the picking, so to speak, but we just haven't done our part in, in telling them. And this is what drove Adoniram Judson Judson, to be confidently laboring in this way, his understanding of the sovereignty of God in his 40 years in Burma. Despite being told on his way that Burma was impenetrable to Christian evangelism, he still went. And despite waiting years after seeing any conversions at all, it was six years before he baptized his first convert, and it was only after 12 that he saw 18 total conversions in his time there. He persevered despite enduring a 17-year imprisonment. Many other hardships, a lifelong battle in the 108-degree heat with cholera and malaria, dysentery and, and unknown miseries that would take two of his wives, the successive wives, okay? And not what would be... Not concurrent, no. Not concurrent, yes. That's the other word I was looking for. Uh, and seven of his 13 children and uh, several of his close friends were were um, lost to several of these illnesses as well. See, he understood that God was sovereign over all these things, and yet he still pursued, despite all the challenges, the difficulties, the setbacks, and the same knowledge... The same knowledge encouraged Paul while he labored in Corinth. God comes to Paul in a vision in Acts eighteen nine. He says, "Don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. Don't be silent. For I'm with you. No one's going to attack you because I have many people in the city." And so what does Paul do? He leaves and says, "Well, if you got many people in the city, well then they'll come to Christ eventually." Oh, he stays there for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God because he knew. That God had people out there who needed to be saved and that were going to be saved and that God was going to use Him as an instrument to bring them to Christ. So friends, we can witness with confidence knowing that our efforts are not in vain and that some of our efforts will bear fruit. God uses us as instruments in His hands to call those whom He has chosen to come to Christ through the proclamation of the gospel. God's sovereignty should never stifle our evangelism. It should only spur on more evangelism. Turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is a verse that... Part of this verse is what we're going to use for our theme this year for the missions conference that we are to be His witnesses. Chapter 1, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be My witnesses, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Here the apostles are supposed to be waiting in Jerusalem for the promised Holy Spirit. And... And part of this, I think, is because this is what Greg was talking about, that we need the Spirit going before us. That Christ is saying, you will be my witnesses, but wait here till the Spirit comes upon you. He's going to come upon you with great power, which actually would prove to be a great opportunity for them to witness. And this should give us great confidence that that our evangelism is empowered. We're not just going out there doing something that we think is a good idea. We're doing something that the King told us to do. To go out among His subjects who have not bowed the knee to Him and tell them about the truth of the Gospel. See, the power of evangelism does not come from us. The power of evangelism comes from the Holy Spirit, from the message itself. And so we are expected to evangelize because evangelism is empowered. Um, I need to keep moving. So let's uh, let me stop and see if you have any questions or comments because I don't think I've seen if you had any so far. We want to talk about success next. Go ahead, Mark. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think there ought to be something, and that's something that I've been wrestling with for several months now, and talking to some other godly men in our church about as well. And, uh, and we've been praying about that, and I think we ought to do something. Um, so w- what that's going to look like, I don't know. But I've seen, I've seen lots of programs that were just, you know, there for the sake of having a program, and they weren't really um, Thought through very carefully they and sometimes you know like well, maybe we just need to start doing something, and maybe god'll but the on the other hand um you know it also seems like there's some wisdom in in taking some time and praying about it, make sure that um, that we're actually seeking God on this um but but the other thing is sometimes one of the things about having an actual program that that I'm um resistant to a little bit is. That sometimes programs can can they they feel like we're accomplishing something when they may not be. Now, programs run properly, they're great, and we we need them. But sometimes, if we just have a program for the sake of a program, um, we can as a church think that we're fulfilling our responsibility of evangelism. We're really not. Uh, and I have stressed. Uh, for as long as I've been here that the primary way that we do evangelism is through the circles of influence that we already have. We ought to be talking to the people that we meet with at work, the people that we meet with in the marketplace, people that we know in our family. Sometimes those are the hardest to do. And so what can happen is if we have a program that can be, in some cases, a cop-out. Like, well, I've I've done this. Now, that's why I think it needs to be done well. Instead of like... uh, Okay, let's just do a door-to-door type thing, Go to, and, and that may be helpful, but go to people that we're never going to see again, and really we're not really fearful of what might happen to us because we're only going to see them once, and they're going to be like most other Americans, just close the door on us and say, sorry, we're not interested. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. I see. Yep. And part of that is a class like this. And the last series of classes that had a class on evangelism, when people, you know, when believers are coming to these types of classes, they're thinking more carefully about evangelism. That's one way that we equip. It also comes up in the various texts of Scripture. We went through Ephesians not too long ago, and we talked about evangelism at that time. So, um, you know, God's not handcuffed without a program. Uh, I think for centuries evangelism was taking place apart from a formal program. So um, I'm not opposed to programs. I just think they need to be uh, they need to make sure they have a proper purpose and that they're properly driven and handled so that they don't just become another crutch or another thing that we're just hanging our hats on and not really accomplishing anything through it. So Trish. Yeah, you got to evaluate. Yep, exactly. Yeah, because if you're just doing things because you've always done them, and that's what I don't want to do is just start something else that we're just doing because, and then ten years later we're still doing it because we've always done it. You got to keep reevaluating these things and make sure that are are they accomplishing what we want to do. In fact, one of the things we do every year is we talk about whether VBS, you know, that's a big program. We put a lot of time and resources and money into that is that something that's accomplishing the purpose of our church. And we talk about that every year before and after uh before and after we have it and want to see, you know, is this something that is helpful for our church and obviously since we're still doing it, we think it is. Um so yeah, Paul. It's a good point. Do this. You know, what, how do we put them? How do we put them? I think that's what something we're missing. It's great to have a listener invitation, but if, if I don't know what to say when I talk to somebody. If I talk to the door, if I talk to my family, I don't know what to say, or how to say it, or how to respond to various questions. For, you know, like, yeah. That's definitely yeah. something you guys want to have. With, with to do. Yeah. Trish. Yeah. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Jared Right. Yeah, that's a good point because uh, you know, as you're starting to see some of the other believers who are going through trials or something, I think what Jared's saying is you can use some of those instances as a story as you're talking to an unbelieving neighbor. You know, that, you know, we've got a guy in our church right now that's going through a serious trial and, you know, maybe this person relates and this is how they're handling it. You know, this, they're, they're turning to God and trusting God you believe that you know do you do you understand why they trust in God or something like that and um so yeah I, I uh I think our church has a lot of room for improvement in that area, and I certainly uh, take responsibility for that and so um you know if you're concerned about evangelism um, and and your passion for evangelism is is um, mimicking the, the passion that God has then then start praying in that way and praying that we will be able to think of concrete ways that we as a church can uh, equip people for evangelism and then also provide opportunities for, for people to invite. Maybe you've been talking to one of your neighbors for years and they're not willing to come to a service like we we're going to have this morning, but they might be willing to come to some other event that we would have at our church where to would expose them other believers who are, you know, showing the love of Christ to one another. You know, I think of like like the wedding that we had this summer. I think uh, it was an excellent way to show the the grace of of Christ and the love and unity of our church uh, around a common goal of seeing Christ honored through something like that. And unbelievers couldn't avoid seeing something like that. You know, they couldn't avoid seeing the the power of God, really. Now, we don't know of any salvations that have happened, but again, evangelism takes time. All right, let me see if I have any more blanks for you. If I do, I'll give those to you. Otherwise, just want to hit some highlights here as we finish. Good, good uh, discussion there. All right, so how do we measure success in evangelism? How do we measure success? Okay, if you miss everything else in this class, don't miss this. Success. And evangelism is sharing the gospel. That's it. It's not winning converts. There is no command for you in Scripture to win converts. In fact, you can't win any converts. Uh, I often liken it to sales. You can't close the deal when it comes to evangelism. You can't do it. It's something that the Spirit has to do in them. So your responsibility, my responsibility, is to share the gospel. And if you've shared the gospel to the person, then you are successful. Okay. Here's what uh, Joseph Coates, or, uh, some of you remember, I think he was here this summer, missionary to China. He said there are three things we need to do. Meet people, tell them about Jesus, and repeat until we've, we've done it to every person in the world. Okay. So, It really comes down to two. Meet people and tell them about Jesus. That's success in the gospel. And that's why a person like Adoniram Justin could be successful for six years before he saw a convert. Why? Because success in evangelism is what? It's sharing the gospel. It's not winning converts. Um, So... uh, Here's maybe a, a better illustration than the sales one. And it's, I know it's a better one because it comes from the Bible. Okay? Mark 4, parable of the soils. It's the farmer just throwing out seed. The farmer's job is not to pull the plant up and force a fruit to come out of it right, or a vegetable. He can't do that. He'd be foolish to try. His job is to spread the seed. God's going to determine what kind of ground it falls on. You remember what the ground is referring to? The person's what? Their heart, right? So some of it just it gets picked up by the birds. It's gone. It doesn't do anything. Some of it starts to take... It looks like it's starting to, to show some progress. They, they receive it with joy. Then it gets choked out or gets, gets um, burned by the sun or whatever. gets scorched from the sun because the roots weren't deep enough. But some... We'll fall on good soil. And here's what our responsibility is. Our responsibility is not to f- go out there and find who our converts are. Okay? They're they're not running around with a big E on their forehead that says they're elected, you know, they're they're part of the elect. We don't know that. So our job is it's just like we don't know what kind of soil we're throwing the seed on. We just throw it on there and let God do the rest. That's our responsibility. Success in evangelism is sharing the gospel. Okay, and that's why, you know, we we could be, um, you know, we could be very successful sharing the gospel right now. We haven't seen a whole lot of converts. Obviously, we've seen a couple of children come to Christ, and we shouldn't minimize that. Um, but let's say outside of the families from our church, how many people have come to Christ in the last five, ten, fifteen years, right? And we could say, well, maybe we're we're doing something wrong. And I actually think that. That maybe we aren't doing as much as we should, but the point is we need to be make sure, we need to make sure that we're actually doing that. That we're actually sharing the gospel. That that part's very important because no one's going to call on God without hearing the gospel. Do you have a thought, Mark, or a question? Absolutely, yes. And that's what you pray for. By the way, you know the fact that you're you're spreading seed and you're You're trying to give them the gospel in the clearest way possible. We shouldn't shouldn't be like, okay, here I gave it to you. I go away. No, we pray that God. We want to see this thing grow. We want to see this come up, just like a farmer does. You know, wants to see it comes up. But he recognized where the power comes from. You see, power doesn't come from us. Doesn't come from from our ability or our inability. It comes from it comes from the message itself, from the Spirit. All right. Any other thoughts or questions? All right. Good. Let's uh, pray. And uh, sorry I didn't finish today, but I think we had some fruitful conversation. The next two weeks, I asked uh, Ken Whitworth to teach for us. And so uh, you'll be encouraged by that because he uh, he's always very thorough. He's been working on this for, for weeks. And um, so I know you'll be fed well. And... Um, and then when I come back we'll we'll talk about serving as we continue our discussion on spiritual disciplines. All right, let's pray. Father thank you that you uh, shared the gospel with us through one of the believers that you brought to yourself. I'm thankful that, that you use means to accomplish your purposes. Certainly, you could have chosen to create a world in which people could come to Christ on their own apart from interaction from other people and and uh, that would be the only way that they came to Christ. But but we know that You have designed that the Word of God would spread through uh, godly people who want to see Your praise spread to more and more people. And Lord, I pray for our our, our church specifically that, that we would be uh, thinking very carefully how we can equip one another for the sake of evangelism and also that we could provide some sort of... Um, means in our church to develop relationships where uh, we would have clear opportunities to share the gospel. And Lord, we pray that You'd help us to be faithful in that. And uh, we, we want to see Your power in it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.